Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, probably to a very familiar passage, but one that maybe we don't practice as much as we know. So there might be a gap between our hearts from what we know about prayer and how we actually pray. Because all of us, whether we played high school football or we went to an FCA meeting or we grew up in church and Sunday school, probably could quote the Lord's Prayer. But have we been shaped by the Lord's Prayer? And so this week we want to sit at the feet of Jesus, just like we talked about last week. Sit at the feet of Jesus and have Jesus teach us what it means to pray. We read these words in Luke chapter 11. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, find, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Let's pray together. Lord, we humbly come before you right now. And Lord, we want to ask you to teach us how to pray. Lord, help us pray. Lord, don't just teach us the rules and the, and the tools about praying, Lord, give us the want to, the desire to pray. And do this, Lord, not just by showing us all that you can give us. Lord, all that, that you can do for us. But, Lord, teach us by giving us yourself. By showing us yourself. By revealing to us your glory and your goodness and your grace for us, Lord, so that we might pray, not because we want something from you, but because, Lord, we love you. Lord, would you do this in our hearts, we pray this morning. Only you can teach us, inform us to be people who pray. So, Lord, we beg you, please, I beg you, Lord, help me pray today. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when you learn from someone else, you want to know that they know their stuff, right? Like, if you're being trained on the job, you better hope that person knows what they're doing. They, they need to have some experience if they're going to try to show you what to do. Like, nobody wants to go to the gym and, and meet your personal trainer for the first time and and they're stuffing their mouth with Oreos and drinking Mountain Dew, right? Like, you're like, I don't know if this is the guy I want to learn from. No, no one wants to be taught how to drive a car by someone who can't see. No one wants to learn how to swim from someone who is scared of the water and who's wearing floaties around the pool, right? Like, you just, that's not the person that you want to learn from. It's not going to happen. You want to learn from. And be taught from someone who has the knowledge, the skill, the experience. Someone who loves what you want to love. And that's why when we, as God's people, want to learn how to pray, there's no better teacher for us than the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no one who knows what it's like to get alone with the Father and pray like Jesus. There's no one who knows the heart of the Father, the one who is listening to us as we pray, like His one and only Son. There's no better place to enroll in learning about prayer than the school of prayer with Jesus. This is what the disciples do in our passage. They, they observe, they watch Jesus going away to pray He's constantly going to the Father to pray. And when he finishes praying, they say, Lord, would you teach us how to do that? Lord, teach us how to pray just as John taught his disciples. And that's why we're here this morning. We're here to take a master's class from the master. We're here together to ask Jesus, to ask the Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Because, Lord, we don't naturally pray. A lot, of, a lot of times our life is prayerless. We don't find ourselves on our face. But, Lord, we want to know how to pray. So teach us. Well, the first thing that Jesus teaches us and teaches his disciples is the priority of prayer. See, the first priority of your life will often become the first priority of your prayers. You will always pray what you prioritize. So if your prayers are for you and about you and asking for things for you, well, your priority might be you. I mean, that's why our prayers often go here first. We, we say things like, God, it would be nice if you could help me with, with this, God, I would love it if this thing at work would work out. I, I would love it if you'd help me pass this test. If you could get me out of this bind. Yet, the priority of our prayer should be Him. The priority of our prayer should be that which we were created for. The glory of God. That, that should be the priority of our prayers and our lives. And that's exactly what Jesus teaches us. He says, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. 
The priority of our hearts and the priority of our lives should be the hallowing of God's name. The hallowing of God's name. Maybe we don't use that term a lot, hallowing, but, but this means for God's name to be set apart as holy. It's a prayer for the fame of His name as the greatest name, the name that is above every other name, to be lifted up above my name and every other name. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. He says this, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. In your hearts honor Christ the Lord as as holy. This is our desire that, that Jesus Christ would take up more and more territory in our hearts. And not only in our hearts, but more and more territory to the ends of the earth. That people will praise the name of Jesus. Listen, when we pray, Hallowed be your name, it's not asking that God's name would somehow become something that it's not already. Or, or that God's glory would somehow increase. Or He would become more glorious. Or He would become more beautiful. No, we're asking that the glory that God already has, that the greatness His name already has, that it would be revealed. That the curtain would be pulled back. That sinners might see His glory. We're asking for God's name to be seen as holy. For God's beauty to be put on display. That the Lord would be seen as the greatest treasure to all the world like He truly is. But the sad reality, and we can all can confess this, the sad reality is that it's not a lot of times. Like, like His name isn't always hallowed in our hearts. We don't always see Him as glorious in our homes. His worth isn't displayed in our city like He deserves. He's not treasured among every tribe, tongue, and nation. Someone's being treasured. Someone's being worshipped. Someone's getting someone's life. But it's not the Lord who's getting all the glory. It's like if we were to go to a junkyard and, and we found a bunch of stray dogs chewing on the Mona Lisa. It's like if we were to go to a park today and find kids at the playground back here at Parker Bennett playing with an autographed Michael Jordan basketball. Our hearts would say, we would respond, do you not know what you're missing like, do you not see what you possess? And sin does this. Sin blinds us. Sin, the God of this world, covers our eyes so that we might not see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But this should be our heart, brothers and sisters. This should be our desire. This should be our prayer while living in a world that's missing out on the glory that we have seen. The glory that we they, they were created for. Our prayer should be, Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Lord, let your 
name be treasured in my heart. Let your name be treasured in my home. Let let your name get the glory that it deserves in our city. Lord, let every tribe, tongue, and nation across this world behold the glory of Jesus. May the one thing that we have found sitting at the feet of Jesus, that He is the treasure that's greater than all other things in this world, may every tribe and tongue nation come sit at His feet with us that they might see Him too. And when we pray, your kingdom come, we're praying for for His sovereign reign and His sovereign rule that we've experienced in our hearts, that we want this reign to cover every centimeter, every millimeter of the cosmos. So maybe the best question is not, What are the priorities of your prayers? Maybe the best question is, who is the priority of your prayers? Who is the priority of your prayers? Does your prayer sound like, Lord, hallowed be my name? Lord, my kingdom come. My will be done. Or are you humbly asking, Lord, hallowed be your name? Your kingdom come. So what does this look like in your daily prayers? How how could this change how you pray this week? Well, here's one recommendation. Prioritize the nations in your prayers. Prioritize those who have never heard the name of Jesus. The three billion people who've never heard the name of Jesus. Pray that the name of Jesus would be sung in the most silent places in the world. Pray that His glory would be seen in the darkest corners of this world. That they might see the glory of Jesus Christ that you have seen. So for me, I have a prayer list that I work through every single week. And Monday is for mission. Every week, Monday is for missions because I want my heart to prioritize the nations because I want my life to prioritize His name. To to be about making disciples and people seeing Jesus, the name that is above every other name. So first, Jesus shows us the priority of prayer. The, The second thing He shows us is the posture of prayer. Right after Jesus prioritizes, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. This now shapes the posture of the one praying. It goes like this Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. See, if the priority of prayer is the glory of God, the posture of prayer becomes humility. Because when you behold the glory of God, when His name is hallowed in your heart, when when He's treasured above all, well, the proper response to His glory is our desperate dependence on Him. That's the proper response to seeing the glory of God. When we see Him, we see that we're not Him. And then we see we need Him. 
That's the trajectory in our hearts. When we see him, we see that we're not him, and we see that we need him. This is what prayer is. It's it's declaring our bankruptcy before God. It's expressing that, that we are bankrupt. We are nothing without him in our life. See, when we realize that we're nothing without Him, prayer is the expression of that reality. We are saying in our hearts, we realize and we express that we can't meet our physical needs without you. We are needy. We are desperately dependent on you for our daily bread and for all our daily needs. We're saying we realize and we express that we can't meet our spiritual needs without you. We can't do anything to earn your forgiveness. We can't do anything to make ourselves righteous. We can't do anything to make ourselves presentable to you, a holy, heavenly Father. We are desperately dependent on you alone to forgive us. And we're saying we realize and we express that we can't live the Christian life. We can't live a holy life without you, God. We are desperately dependent on you to guard our steps. Desperately dependent on you to not lead us into temptation. So let me ask you this morning, do do you see yourself as desperately dependent on the Lord? Do you see yourself as is completely bankrupt without the Lord. That you need Him for all things, for everything. Lord, we won't have unless you give it to us. We won't be free unless you forgive us. We won't be safe unless you protect us. We sing it in the old hymn, I I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to Thee, only Thee. I've been reading a book lately called A Non-Anxious Presence. It's by a guy named Mark Sayers. He's a a pastor in Australia. And it's about how this ever-changing, ever-complex world that, that overwhelms people, how it affects leadership. And he says this, The modern world promises progress and perfection without God. Leaders formed by the contemporary world can therefore presume that dependence on God is optional. We live in a world that presumes that dependence on God is optional. We live in a world that makes prayer optional. Prayerlessness, it's a a sign of our independence, a declaration of independence, our belief that we can do life without the Father. We don't really need you. While prayer is a sign of humility, an express, express bankruptcy, a desperate dependence that, Lord, if we don't have you, we don't have anything. So how can this change your daily prayers? 
How can posture change in your week-to-week prayers? Well, the greatest evidence of humility is in praying. The greatest evidence of humility is in praying. See, prayerlessness is a symptom of self-sufficiency. But prayer is a practice in humility. It's a really simple application. Pray. Pray. Even if you don't know what you're saying, the posture of prayer speaks volumes to the God who's listening. Just simply by praying, you're saying, Lord, I need you and I cannot do it without you. The third thing Jesus teaches is is persistence in prayer. And, And Jesus next gives us a scenario A scenario to his disciples to drive home persistent prayer. He says, say you get home late at night. It's been a long day at work, and you just now finally get your kids to bed after like the three-hour bedtime routine that you have every night. Anybody else with me on that? You, You get in your bed, and you pull up the warm blanket to your chin, and you open up your flips, chocolate-covered pretzels you've been thinking about all day, and you, you turn on an o- episode of The Office. I think, I think everybody might be tracking with me right now. And you're, you're cozy, right? You're comfortable. You, you really don't want to move. You don't want to be bothered by a, an 8-year-old, by, surely not by somebody. Then you hear a tap, 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 tap on the door. You first just try to be super quiet, right? Like, yeah, I'm just muting the television. We're just, everybody be quiet. <laughs> Next, it gets quiet, so you unmute the TV. But then you hear it again, tap, 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 tap. tap. You're like, you got to be kidding me. Finally, after 30 minutes of knocking, you look at the ring doorbell, and you see your friend's cheesy grin out there on the front page, on, on the front porch. You see your friend, but you don't jump up. None of us jump up. You're cozy. You're comfortable. And instead, you just turn on the intercom, and in your tiredest voice you can come up with, you're like, hello. Hello. What? I'm sleeping. Your friend says, please. Please help me. Kroger, for some reason, started closing earlier for some strange reason. And I need bread. Y'all know that struggle, too. Your friend says, sorry, sorry, friend, but the, I mean, you say to your friend, sorry, but the kids are finally asleep. It's been a long day. Please come back in the morning. Finally, peace and quiet and Michael Scott, you're quiet again. You think everything's fine, but then he keeps knocking. He keeps seeking. He keeps trying To get you to come to the door. And before long, I promise you, everybody in here, before long, you will get up. But listen, what gets you out of bed is not your friendship. What gets you out of bed is his persistence. It's the fact that he has the audacity to keep knocking. That he has... The, the shame, shameless boldness to keep seeking. That he will keep knocking and keep asking and being persistent. 
But here's what I want you to get this morning. Get this, this story is not saying your heavenly father is reluctant to help his children. No, Jesus is saying if persistence gets a friend out of bed who's unwilling to help, what will persistence in prayer do to a heavenly father who's willing and who wants to help? Who is willing and who is wants to and who is ready to help those who pray to him? Martin Luther says it this way, prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. That's so good. Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but laying hold of his willingness. That's what Jesus is inviting us to. That's what he's inviting you and me to, not just to pray, but to be persistent in prayer. To have an audacity to keep asking our God. To have the boldness to keep coming and asking Him to help. He's inviting each one of us to lay hold of the willingness of the Father to help His children. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and the door will be open for you. You know, one of the many ways I think I drive Rebecca crazy probably Jody too, is using the words might and maybe in a text message. Like in every text message, maybe using might or maybe. For, for instance, I'll be like, well, that might work out tomorrow. Or maybe I can bring that. Or possibly that'll work out. And it's, it's like I, in that moment, I don't really want to set it in stone. I, I don't want to... Put it in pen. Let's just leave it in pencil. I don't really want to nail myself down. And probably part of it comes from an unwillingness to commit. Or worse, due to uncertainty in myself. But this isn't the case when we pray to our Heavenly Father. It's a big difference between texting Lance and praying to our good Father who is in heaven because he leaves nothing up in the air. There is no uncertainty in his heart. There's no unwillingness to commit. Listen to Jesus. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Not it might be given to you. Maybe I can work it out. No, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. God the Father promises to answer every single one of your prayers in the way in which you pray it. Or as Tim Keller says, in the way you would have prayed it if you knew everything that he knows. So how does this show up in our daily prayers? Well, my encouragement, actually Jesus' encouragement, is that you would just keep praying. That you would keep praying. That you keep praying for that son or daughter whose heart seems too, too hard for you to ever overcome it. Keep praying for your marriage that seems too broken to be healed. That friendship, that relationship that seems too broken to ever be reconciled. 
That you keep praying for your struggle with that sin, with that addiction that you know you cannot overcome on your own. You know you've been trying to do it, but you need someone stronger than you to keep praying for him. I mean, praise God for the saints who kept asking and kept seeking and kept knocking for the unborn that could not keep asking and could not keep knocking and could not keep seeking for themselves. I mean, John Piper says it this way, pray until the mountain moves. Brothers and sisters, we need to to be on our faces before God and, and keep asking and seeking and knocking, knowing that he's a God who tells us, I will. I will. Finally, we see Jesus shows us the person of prayer. Remember in verse 1, the disciples are watching Jesus. And they say, Jesus, teach us how to do that. Teach us how to pray. Now, when you think about Jesus praying, Jesus is not going away to desolate places to somehow earn God's love. Jesus is not going away to desolate places to perform a task called prayer. He's not having a quiet time. It's never about Jesus doing anything. It's about Jesus being with the Father. It's about Jesus enjoying the Father. And prayer is Jesus inviting you in to that. See, Jesus wants us to see is that prayer is not a task we do. It's a relationship we enjoy. Prayer is not about what you can get from the, the hand of a cold, distant, impersonal God. No, prayer is about getting to know the heart of a heavenly Father. A heavenly Father who is gracious and generous to His children. That's why Jesus begins, when you pray, say, Father. Listen, the fact that you can say, Father, is a testimony that the Father's been gracious to you. We probably overlook that word all the time, but the fact that you can say, Father is a testimony that he's been ridiculously generous to you, a sinner who doesn't deserve it. Listen to Luke 11. He says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, he'll give him a scorpion. Now, none of the kids here this morning, right? You didn't say, Dad, can I have a Pop-Tart? And your dad gave you a piece of paper this morning. You didn't say, can I get some spaghetti tonight for dinner? And your dad gave you some worms. No, your dad would never do that to you. And he says this, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more, how much more will the heavenly father give to you? If you who are sinful know how to give good gifts, Jesus says, our Heavenly Father will give the greatest gifts. He will not hold back. Our Heavenly Father is not a cheapskate. He will give the greatest gifts to His children. We see this in John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Or Jesus himself here in Luke chapter 11 says, How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Oh, our Father is so gracious to you. Your Father is so generous to you, a sinner, and you miss this. You overlook this. You take this for granted. The only reason that you can say Father is not because the Father created you. It's because the Father saved you. It's because the Father gave His only Son for you. Because He gave His one and only Son on the cross, and because He gave His Holy Spirit in your hearts, now your heart can cry out, Abba, Father. It's not because of anything that you have done for yourself. It's only because God, the Father, has been gracious to you. This is the incredible good news of the gospel. That that when Jesus was in the garden praying, Father, if it's your will, would you take this cup from me? God the Father chose not to take the cup of wrath from the Son so that you could have the cup of his love forever. When Jesus is on the cross and he's praying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, the Father chooses to forsake His one and only Son so that He can never leave nor forsake you forever. When He says, Father, unto you I commit my spirit, He gives the Spirit up to the Father so that He can generously give the Spirit to each one of us. Not because we deserve it, but because He is gracious. It is the Father's grace that put Jesus on a cross and put the Spirit in your hearts so that you can cry, Abba, Father. So how does this change your prayers this week? Well, I want to invite you this week to to place a long pause in your prayer right after you say, Father. To put a long pause after you say, Father, long enough for your jaw to hit the floor. Because of that reality of grace. Why don't you just pause to realize that before I say anything in prayer, before I ask for anything, before I thank God for anything, before I confess anything, the fact that I can say, Father, is all because of grace. Prayer is is not a task that's being done. It's a relationship to enjoy because of the gospel. Brothers and sisters, this is our gracious and generous Father who is listening to you right now when you pray. If this is our Heavenly Father who would give His his one and only Son to, to die on a cross and the Holy Spirit who would live inside of us. If this is our Heavenly Father who's listening, how could we not pray for the fame of His name? How could we not pray for that glory to go to the ends of the earth that every tribe and tongue and nation would come and sit with Jesus and call God Father? 
If this is our Heavenly Father who's listening, how could we not be desperate and needy before Him? If this is our Heavenly Father, if this is His heart, how could we not keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking for Him to do what only He can do? Tim Keller says, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. is a child. And we have that kind of access. So brothers and sisters, if this is the heart of our Father, then what are we waiting for? Let us pray. Father, The fact that we can say, Father, in this moment is all because of grace. It's all because of grace because, Lord, you did not spare your one and only Son for us. Lord, you gave him up for us on a cross. And, and because you gave us your Son, Lord, how will you not also with him give us all things? Lord, you are a gracious and generous Father who would give us your one and only Son. And Lord, you are a gracious and generous Father who would give us the Holy Spirit that you might live in us. That you might take up residence in our hearts. That our hearts might now cry out, Abba, Father. Our hearts that used to run after sin, that used to worship other idols, that used to fall in love with this world, Lord, you have set us free by showing us your son, Jesus Christ, and giving us the Holy Spirit that we might cry out, Abba, Father. And so, Lord, I pray this morning, if, if there's someone here that does not know your heart, that, Lord, they would see your great love. The love in which you've loved us, that while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus to die for us. And he rose again victoriously that, that we might overcome sin, that we might overcome our, idol, our idolatry, Lord, that we might run from this world, not just so we can be a Christian, but Lord, so that we can enjoy our life, our love with you. So, Lord, would you do a work in our hearts this morning that, that we might not just know how to pray, but that we might know the heart of you who we are praying to. Lord, show us your glory. Show us more of your heart, Father. Show us your Son. Show us all that we've been given in the Spirit that we might pray, not as a task to do, but Lord, pray because we love you. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.